All right, and we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast, and we're your hosts, Nate and Tony. Hello. <laughs> and we have an awesome guest on. We got Ben on from uh, the Anomaly Hunters, what he goes by, at least on Instagram. That's where we've been talking. And, uh, brother, you just wrote a book. It's really fascinating. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and about uh, your work and where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here today. So, uh, yeah, my name is Ben, and everyone can find me. Anomaly Hunter X is my handle on, you know, all the social media everywhere. And, yeah, I recently wrote a book concerning a strange case of a cryptid in South America. We can get into all that later if you guys want. Uh, I can give you the short version or the long version. So, yeah. We're prepared for either, brother. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Um, so, so tell yeah. us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we can start. Uh, do you want to start talking with about your book a little bit? Yeah. So, uh, so I never really planned on writing this book, per se. It was kind of like I was researching this story and... I guess the easiest way to describe the book is have you ever come across a story that's just like too a little too crazy to be true a little too weird that you don't quite believe it all the way that's what it was for me like it was about 20 years ago I came across a post on a message board all right so the post is on the no longer existing message board and Basically, the summary of it was it takes place in Venezuela around the area of Angel Falls. It's the highest waterfall in the world. And uh, this is also the same place the book The Lost World was based off of. And my book is called The Last Dinosaur of the Lost World. You can type that into Amazon. You'll find it. And so, uh, yeah, it's also the same location that the movie Up is based on. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it's the Disney movie. Almost everything in that movie is exactly based on this book or this true story. And, yeah, I wanted to write the book because it's a case that almost no one has heard of. Like, I would say very, very few people know about this. So, yeah, this... uh, guy writes a post on the message board and basically he says like I'm an explorer I'm also an archaeologist and I've been exploring this area it's a very remote area you have to take a helicopter to get to the top of the waterfall you have to take a helicopter but even to get to the base of it you have to take a boat ride that's about four days from the nearest city so it's way out in the middle of nowhere And it's the top of this area, the mountain, it's a big tabletop, a big flat mountain. It's giant. It's like like 20 square miles up there. So it's like, imagine the book, The Lost World. Like they talk about the same idea. They say like if there's a mountain out in the jungle, one of these tabletop mountains, it's very possible that the animals up there, they're isolated. So whatever is up there has to be unique. It doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. So anyway, the author of the post, he kind of, he's talking and he says, 
I meet a very interesting hermit out there. He lives in a little hut along a river. And, you know, he, I make friends with him over the years. I visit him. And eventually he kind of tells me some weird stories about some weird stuff he's seen. And one of his stories, it's about a very strange looking creature. And the creature is, uh, he describes it as, about three feet long, it has a long neck, and it has flippers instead of feet. You know, he, he said he saw it along a uh, river, and it went back into the river. It was, like, up on a rock, and then it jumped back in. So uh, it's like, wow, that's really weird. I wonder what that is. So the hermit, he says, oh, I have pictures. I drew some pictures of it. So he looks at it. And he is very confused, like he has no idea. It looks like a plesiosaur, which is basically like the Loch Ness monster. You imagine what that looks like. It's like long neck reptile flippers. And this is an animal that is supposed to be long, long extinct. It shouldn't be alive anywhere. So the author of the post, he says, okay, I'm going to try and find this thing. Like, we know it lives near the rivers. It likes the water. So on one of his uh, expeditions, he goes up to the top of the mountain, and he finds a very interesting spot. He finds this lake, and it's kind of connected to a bunch of rivers, and uh, it's not too far, far from the waterfall itself. So he kind of like decides to stake out the river. And as he's staking it out, he doesn't see anything for the first couple days. And on the last day he's up there, he says, early in the morning, I, I wake up, I look out. About 30 meters away from me, I see the animal. It's right out on the bank of the shore. And it's there, but it goes back into the water before I can get a good picture or anything like that. So after that, he has to leave. So he goes to meet the helicopter at the extraction point. The helicopter, he tells the pilot, can you fly back over the area where I saw this animal? And as he's flying back over, he takes some pictures. And one of the pictures, actually, he captures something. Like, he doesn't see it in the moment. But upon later review, he sees what looks like a small little head sticking out of the water and it looks exactly like what he's seen and so he writes this all up on the message board and at the very end he kind of goes on to say um there's some other people who've actually seen this dinosaur if you want to call it that there's a university professor who's uh, very well known. There's also a pilot, a helicopter pilot, who is one of the best pilots in our country who's seen it as well. And that was it. And he ends the post. And uh, yeah, this was a pretty long time ago. And at the time, I, I somehow stumbled across this post and I, I'm looking at it. And, you know, I don't really know what to make of it all. Like, it's very interesting to me because now, if this is a real animal, it's incredible. It's a new new discovery, or it's a species that's supposed to not exist anymore. So, um, yeah, at the time, I didn't know what to think. Like, I wanted to believe it, but, you know, there wasn't any real reason to, like, think maybe this guy's making it all up. Maybe it's just a crazy story. Like, who knows? But So then... 
fast forward to about uh, five years ago, I happened to randomly remember the story. I was thinking to myself, I wonder what happened with that story. Is this guy like telling the truth? Is he a liar? <laughs> What's the deal with that? So I ended up getting a hold of him and I track him down. I track down the post and I ask him a bunch of questions about it. And he actually opens up to me about it. And he basically tells me like, of course, it's all real. And I want to do more expeditions. I want to go back in the future. But due to like the political crisis and the economic crisis in Venezuela, it's been kind of very difficult to go back uh, for a long time. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a, um, I I can explain real fast for those people who don't know. Uh, Yeah, around that time in Venezuela, the country like kind of ran out of food. There's a big crisis, like all the people in the cities were like running out food and then they like close off the border and don't allow any more food in the country. And around that time too, there was an attempted coup of the government i don't know if you've heard about that but that's is a that, funny story is that uh with one white uh, Guan, juan guaido or is this a different uh yeah coup yeah okay. so apparently a private mercenary company was hired to take out guaido and replace him with someone else but oh no other way around it was maduro uh right, right. and uh yeah. juan guaido is the guy there that America recognizes the president and no yeah, one else it's, does. It's kind of strange <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, I don't understand how it's even legal for like a mercenary to go in and like publicly try and take out a leader of a country. Country because like, America that. said to do it, <laughs> so it's <laughs> <Yeah>. legal. <laughs> but it's funny though because the uh, owner of the mercenaries, his big mistake was he tweeted about it like. Right before it's about to go down. About so to go the, kill everybody. The people in Venezuela, they saw the tweet. And then they're like right there. They're right at the spot. And they're all waiting for them. So, yeah, That's it was fascinating. A, Classic kinda, rookie mistake. I mean, it's kind of well, funny see, to think about. As starving and as like desperate as like uh, Venezuela was, that's exactly why he had to shut his borders. Because, well, yeah. because he knew that the CIA was going to pump it full of crazy mercenaries like that. He's like, yeah, all right, yeah. well, we're going to have to okay. figure this out internally because, you know, they're trying to bring us aid right now. And uh, that aid is going to have some other things attached to it, you know. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the other factor in that is Venezuela is a country that's very, very rich in natural resources. So they have a bunch of oil and gold. Basically, I think the United States, they want to install like a leader there who would give us a good deal on all the supplies. And that's a, another thing about like, I don't really go into it in my book, but like I kind of touch on it. Like it's a big, big problem down there, like especially in these wild like national park areas. They're being exploited heavily for gold in particular. And it's very, uh, I don't know, it's very polluting and bad yeah it can really screw up the environment for sure and yeah i actually interviewed one scientist who owns a um non-profit called uh biocryptos if you want to look that up uh their whole thing is they're trying to install all these trail cameras all up on that exact mountain 
to figure out what animals are there and what animals are like actually endangered. So then they can go and get funds and protect the animals and, you know, intervene That's awesome. if necessary. And, but I don't know, like that whole thing with that guy, like it's a very dangerous enterprise. Like people who are working to do environmental protection in South America are under constant threat from, Oh yeah. I don't know. Like all the oil interests, like people get murdered down there every single year. Lots well, of people. You can get murdered for nothing down there, but yeah. especially if there's a multi-billion dollar corporation that wants to exploit yeah. some natural resources in a, you know, yeah. I mean, a banana yeah. Republic is what they'd like, you and, know, you know, the locals down there, um, they don't want to be forced into like this illegal gold mining, but they kind of have to because like they're pretty desperate, but they, what they want to do is open up the tourism industry and bring tourists out there and make their living like being guides in the area. But yeah. So basically my book, the whole um, premise of the book is I want to find out was this story I heard about true or is it all made up? So I go and I track down like the guys, like the pilot. I tracked down the pilot and I tried to track down the scientist. I, he didn't want to talk to me, but I, I actually got it all on public record. There's a video of his whole expedition up there and his statements about the dinosaur. And yeah, there's some other like witnesses out there and I kind of profile them and I go into all the background and, you know, I talk to a bunch of people and, you know, all the people who've actually seen this animal are all, like, super credible. They are all believable. The author of the Crazy Post, he's actually an archaeologist. He's uh, published in scientific journals, that type of thing. He's done, like, a bunch of really interesting work. He's excavated ruins of, like, pirates and uh, Spanish forts and all this really interesting stuff. So... Yeah, I, I can't. Can you imagine people... a cooler job, dude? dude. <laughs> no, this guy is—he is—he's is like the real life Indiana Jones. Like, I'm not exaggerating whatsoever. Like, uh, yeah, he's kind of like out there searching for lost cities and stuff. Like, I can't really give the details of his latest adventures because they're kind of not published yet. But yeah, but yeah, he's—he's he's Indiana Jones, basically. He but... won't make the same mistake. He's not going to tweet it out and. No, no, yeah, he's keeping it on the DL for now, but basically, like, my point is that people who are academics, like, within the university scientific community, like, people like that don't really make up crazy stories, especially about bizarre subjects like living dinosaurs, like, that will only make you look kind of bad to your peers, like, people in the scientific community don't go out on a limb like that unless it's true you know so yeah it, that to me is like the saddest thing is there is no real freedom in that in the scientific community in general i mean if you discover anything that's against the consensus you have to kind of sit on it yeah you, yeah. Know, you can't you don't want to stick your neck out <laughs> you know and uh oh yeah i was gonna say <laughs> one more interesting thing that i found out about the locals there the local people like the indigenous tribes the reason why i think this animal could exist and has been undiscovered is because 
like the local people have a legend that all these big mountains, like there's a bunch of the same kind of plateau mountains. They say they're all haunted by evil spirits. And they say that the evil spirits will like attack you and uh, are responsible for all these disappearances in the area. So, so it's interesting, like uh, the local people have for centuries been afraid to go up there and told stories about crazy animals and dangerous spirits up there. So, And I mean, that's why that's it's a, left so untouched and beautiful. You always have to look yeah. at what the local people are saying when you're looking at stuff like this. And they, they're the ones who know, you know, they, they're the only ones. But yeah, in this particular case, they are just terrified of going up there. You know, they, they don't in general want anything to do with it. Well, yeah, I'm trying to figure uh, out a way to steal a helicopter and go, man. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, uh, yeah, I I want to go there. I haven't been there myself. I'm I'm kind of like collecting all this information from third third hand or second hand sources. So eventually, I might I might go there if I ever get the opportunity. We'll so see. do you know how old? Like, if it's a plebeian like what was that? Do you know like the time frame of when they were around? At least uh, yeah. Least they were. Well, all right. So I know for a fact they lived about during the age of the dinosaurs and I might be wrong in saying it was around a hundred million years ago, something like that. I don't have the exact date, but here's the interesting thing. The, the guy, the archeologist, the other little detail, he said, he's like, recently there's a discovery of a miniature plesiosaurus fossil. And this kind of represented a whole entirely new subspecies that they found. It's supposed to be, you know, the exact size. It's called a leptocleidus, and it's about three feet long, three to ten feet long. But I mean, the smallest ones are three feet, and those ones they lived like around the ocean, and they kind of lived around freshwater lagoon areas. So they would like go up the river and find food up in the river, and because the plesiosaurs, the large ones, lived out in the open ocean, but these small guys, they had to like find small prey, small fish. So they, yeah, they lived in these freshwater areas. And if you look at the geology of Venezuela, it all kind of checks out like this whole area back in like the dinosaur era, that was like ocean basically. So yeah, it all kind of makes sense that maybe one of these freshwater plesiosaurs did really live there like they found lots of fossils in south america and stuff so that's fascinating yeah, it's, man it's very possible that like you know some of them could have stayed there and uh just evolved a little bit and become entirely freshwater species at this point and you know i i looked into it and the whole area it's riddled in caves as well there's a lot of rivers everywhere. So my theory on it is these animals are small. They probably live around the rivers or maybe inside the caves. But at this point, yeah. Interesting, man. Live in small little rivers, basically. And see, it would make sense, too, because I've heard, uh, like, people 
trying to explain away Loch Ness, like the, the Loch Ness monster, Nessie, whatever you want to call it. And them saying that like the size wise of one of those things, they said that there, there wouldn't be enough room, I guess, for one of these things to have whatever. And then like, there wouldn't be enough fish to sustain them, uh, to sustain something like that. But if it was one of these small ones, that would make a lot of sense, especially in a place like that. So isolated. And then also so many different like water sources that like so many different rivers. Talking about the jungle, like most of these little rivers, like, are unexplored like people don't even know they exist but yeah there's it's the middle of the tropical jungle like very perfect climate like yeah and i agree with you about loch ness like i i don't know i i think in in terms of loch ness i've seen good photos i've seen some good videos i've seen the sonar images they they have but I kind of think that area, like that's not an isolated area. That's some place that people yeah. are there 24 seven. They're surveilling it. There's cameras there. Like, I don't know. I think they would have seen like a giant plesiosaur by now. Like an Yeah. Place. So yeah. do I. If I there know. was one, it's long dead. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah uh, that's yeah. sad, but true. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. There, I can't yeah. think of a more visited place in Scotland. Right. I no, mean, that's no, no. <laughs> everyone goes to Loch Ness who goes to like, well, a lot of people I would imagine want to go there. <laughs> no. Yeah. It has to be a great big tourist trap. Yeah. So I don't know about Loch Ness. It's interesting. And man, to be honest, dude, I get I call into question the majority of dinosaurs because, especially at the time that they were discovered, around you know the early nineteen and uh, late you know nineteenth century, whatever, uh, there were so many uh, hucksters that were like they were finding real bones and throwing them together in these mismatch ways and being yeah. like, this is this kind of dinosaur. This is this kind of dinosaur. But the one that I've always thought was very likely to be true was this dinosaur. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, and it, it makes a lot of sense, dude. I, I think that well, the majority of the dinosaur bones that uh, are, were probably giants bones that they're trying to hide. The Smithsonian's trying to, Oh, yeah, dude. No, I, I think that's a good possibility. I, I definitely think the Giants were, you know, there's literally thousands of newspaper articles about them. Like, if you go back into, like, around the year 1900, they were everywhere. Like, people were digging up giant bones all over the place. And, uh, you know, finding like, skulls, man. <laughs> finding yeah. skulls this big. Completely yeah, see. Skeletons. Uh, that, it's like to a me, matter of record. If you can find yeah. the newspaper articles. Like, Dude, it's up? so fascinating. And it, it's right around that time, too. That's the time that they did this great sort of reset where they uh the where they kind of like rewrote history. They just they mm-hmm. they're like, this is what we're going to accept. This is what we're going to sweep under the rug. And the giants went away. They were like, Yeah, nope, but hey, there's these awesome things called dinosaurs. Well, I don't know. I I think I don't think all dinosaurs are fake, but I think uh, pre nineteen hundreds it was worse. Even like they would find maybe a couple bones here and there, and they might find like stuff that was completely unrelated, and be like, "Oh my god, we found a dragon!" (laughs) I think that kind of thing happened a lot, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Nowadays we can 
for sure say that, of course, you know, dinosaurs were real and they have the complete fossils of like the T Rexes and all that stuff. But I don't no, know, I, I do see what you're saying. Of <laughs> what's <laughs> I said, I don't know, man. Like, because I don't think they do have full, uh, I don't think they do have full skeletons well, of T Rexes. Complete skeletons are only about 60%, but you know, there, there's yeah. enough there. <laughs> You know, I thought, to not dispute that they were what they are. There was you know. something there. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we something. Have, well, that's the thing, though. The fossil record is so incomplete, and you just find these hodgepodge of bones, and we just cobble together a story with them. But I, I, don't I mean, forty percent gone is still a lot. <laughs> they're like, there's gaps in the fossil record for sure. Like, there's large, yeah. large gaps. Also, Who knows? Most, most fossils don't survive <laughs> for a hundred million years. That's a long fucking time. Yeah, that's true. The, the one thing that tripped me out a little bit was when I don't know if you guys heard, but they found the T Rex like femur and they cracked it open, and there was still supposed to be some uh, like soft tissue in there, like some of its bone marrow and the blood cells were actually in there. It's like, oh my god, how does how does that stuff? stay around for so long i mean i'm no scientist but i'm like just we should clone it yeah well yeah we're gonna do jurassic park i mean (laughs) fingers crossed you know they're also trying to do the dinosaur chickens have you guys heard about that No. no tell me about the dinosaur chickens well the whole thing with that is they're like so chickens are or, well, all birds are descended from dinosaurs. So what the scientists want to do, and they've started to do, they've gone into their like DNA, and they're like, if we switch off certain genes here and there, then it will regress to what the gene used to be in a previous state, like a less evolved state. So what they did, they found here's the gene that makes the beak of the chicken. And they're like, what will happen if we switch that off? In the, and they actually did this. They switched off the gene. And they did this in an embryo. Like, they didn't hatch the thing. But apparently, like, it forms a snout, like a dinosaur, basically. So their whole idea was, let's do that with the whole animal. Like, let's switch off all these modern genes and that way the whole chicken will kind of like revert into a state of being that it was millions of millions of years ago and it'll be like this little dinosaur running around. So this is gonna make cockfighting cool. so much better. What's that? <laughs> this is gonna make cockfighting so much better. Oh dude. <laughs> <laughs> these little velociraptors. Yeah, little... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh, man. I just think it's cool. Like I know people say that. Stuff like that's a bad idea, but I, I love dinosaurs, so I'm like, please. I, you know, I get, this. I question when they start playing with genes, they'll be playing with God, you know, sort of things. But, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm interested. I wish they would have taken it all the way and shown some pictures. Yeah, I want to see these little mini dinosaurs, yeah. too. Yeah, they're also, question. sorry. Um, sorry. Yeah, what are you going to say? Well, I also question how much they can actually do like they say they're doing all of this stuff and that's like well can you do this or are you just trying to get funded are you trying to like hype yeah it up? yeah, yeah right. i mean they definitely have like 
like when they first tried to uh, clone sheep and stuff like that. You remember when yeah. they were doing that, like back in the eighties? Mm -hmm. Like all none of those sheep's could live. Like so, I mean, I'm sure things have progressed from then because now there's that like that South Korean company that like if you yeah. pay them, it's something like a hundred thousand dollars or something, they'll clone you your old animal. Like so, if you had like oh, me, I had the perfect crazy. cat. Yeah. I had the. I'm sorry. I know you love your cats, but I had the perfect cat. Yeah. And so if I if I could, I have one of his whiskers still. Well, I would. I don't have the money, but I have the whisker. Give it to them and have them reclone my cat would be amazing. That, Go to the pet cemetery, man. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna start happening, but another. Oh, it happens right paying... now. People are paying goo gobs of money and bringing home their their yeah. little pet again. Um, so another kind of <clears throat> cool thing that they're trying to do is with uh, they're trying to bring back the woolly mammoth mammoths, but they're not like gonna clone one. I guess they don't have the complete genome, so they can't like completely clone. But they have a lot of the like DNA of the woolly mammoth, like a bunch of it, most of it, and they've like isolated all these genes. So what they're gonna do? the scientists in Siberia, they're like, elephants are facing like extinction in Africa right now. So we're going to take some elephants and we're going to stick a bunch of these woolly mammoth genes into them. For example, the gene that gives them the shaggy long fur, maybe the gene that gives them the big tusks. And then a really cool gene is the one that makes their blood not freeze and their blood be able to exist in these really cold climates. So they're like, we're going to do all these things and basically turn an existing elephant into like a woolly mammoth hybrid. And then we're going to put them in this protected like nature reserve in Siberia. And that way the elephants will never go extinct. That's and fascinating, yeah, man. I wonder, on that. I wonder if there'll be, um, I wonder if the, what's what's the word I'm looking for because like it you know if you put a donkey and like a you know are they going to be like a mule are they going to be able to reproduce? Uh, I wonder. Yeah, well, if it's like uh like yeah if it's like one species mixed with another species, they won't be able to reproduce. But the thing they're doing like all they're doing is messing with certain little genes here and there. Yeah. So. It's still like an elephant, but it's just a heavily genetically modified elephant. So, yeah. What and what is, what the fuck are they supposed to eat up there? I'm thinking I, about I woolly mammoths. Know. What the hell do they eat in the snow? Like right. <laughs> they turn carnivorous. They... they must have had a lot of food. That's a good question. I, They're I don't know. big old animals. Yeah, it's crazy. That is funny, man. I, I had heard things, and I don't even know if this is true, but, like, as a kid, like, I would learn this stuff in school that, like, uh, there was explorers ex uh, exploring the North Pole, and they came upon a giant uh, woolly mammoth, and they dug it out, yeah. and they all cooked it and ate it. Is yeah. that true? Did you ever hear that? Like, that they ate uh, woolly mammoth out there? and I haven't heard of that one, but it is true they found a couple of them that are, like, pretty much perfectly preserved like there's this one in particular that was like a baby or a calf and it got frozen in the ice and there's pictures of it it's it like you're like wow that thing looks like it died not very long ago it's just preserved almost perfectly yeah, yeah I don't that's know. fascinating they probably did eat one you're i mean i don't see why if you're exploring the arctic and you're starving to death 
What if it's the one. best meat in the world, dude? And you can nothing will ever compare, right? And you can't get it again. Could you be. know, yeah. I had I tried elephant actually when I was a young man. We went to uh, I I was in South Africa in Swaziland, and we went to Kruger National Park, and uh, they have what's called billetong. Uh, so it's like jerky, basically. They like take raw meat though, they cure it, slice it, and dry it, and um. And they had it. They had it in the gift shop, and it was elephant billetong. I don't know how they got it. So, like, I imagine that it had to be like um, ethically sourced or something. But I, uh, I hope so. I had, oh, yeah. Sure. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, I got to try elephant. It was pretty interesting. I mean, it tasted like jerky because they, you know, yeah, it tasted like jerky. I mean, how the hell yeah, was it? Like, tastes like jerky. Yeah. They put a bunch of seasoning like on it, and yeah, yeah. So I didn't get to try like the essence of elephant. I don't know. Like I'd like to saute some of its fat and get some of that aroma. And oh. I'm a cook by trade. So interesting. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So that's a funny thing uh, that, so uh, Tony, I don't know if you know this, Tony used to live uh, out here in Portland, but Tony moved across the country. And so now he's in Rhode You're not in Rhode Island. Where the hell yeah, are you? Tony? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're in Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But dude, we're almost neighbors, brother. We're like an hour away, which is really cool. Uh, oh, we're both yeah. here in Oregon, which is awesome. Uh, so for the listeners that don't know that, dude, Brandon, time you like around, yeah, you're like yeah. just an hour away. That reminds me, like while, while we're on the subject of like uh, Loch Ness and all this stuff, what really trips me out is that up here in the Columbia and Willamette, and still are, but like not very many, we used to, you know, have those giant sturgeons that grew, like, over yeah. 20 feet long. Like, that just trips me out. Can you imagine being out there on your, like, paddleboard and bumping into a 20-foot-long giant Dude. out there? Like, that would freak me out. When I was a teenager, I, I used I grew up in uh, Humboldt County, if you know where that is. That's, uh, like, Eureka, California, that area up north. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, and uh, I I would go out to this area called Willow Creek, which was like just east. I'm pretty sure it was east. Anyways, we'd hang out on the Trinity River out there, and we found this awesome swim hole. And it's it's literally the best swim hole. And it's like 90 degrees there. It's perfect. Like it's paradise on earth. And yeah. there's this one old sturgeon that's probably 10 feet long, and oh, he man. just like as you're swimming out there and playing, he just comes out there. He comes right up next to you, looks at you and go, this is my river. And you're just like, you got to respect him. He just looks at you for a little bit and then he swims off. And just as a teenager, I mean, out of my mind on so much shrooms, (laughs) shrooms, beer and pot out there. And just like seeing this massive like river monster just come. And he's really peaceful, nice guy, but just like, it's there's reverence there. There's respect at this old. He's got to be over a hundred years old, man. That's, this big that's old nutty. That's crazy. They're beautiful and also oh. crazy looking. Sturgeons are crazy looking. Dude, that's awesome. That's amazing. I would love to see one. But one thing I saw out in like the river out here, out here, uh, I think it was the Willamette. I saw it was dead, but like it was floating down the river it's one of those like weird little eels that has mm. the like mouth that's just like an opening of teeth like that's <laughs> it it's like one of those oh, 
Oh, yeah, what are those? Lampreys? Are those yeah, lampreys? Yeah. Dude, those things are crazy. <laughs> those are freaky. I don't like that those are out in our, our rivers here. No. no. I heard no. they're pretty tasty. I think you can eat lampreys. Yeah. You can yeah. eat anything, yeah. <laughs> you can eat it. You, you can, can eat anything eat once. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's some poisonous toads out there, I guess, but everything's yeah. edible, just not everything's digestible, or what's the I don't know, something like that. Most animals are. Good. Yeah, most animals are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. So, hey, dude, we got to – I think it would be fun. We should do a Bigfoot expedition. We should yeah, fucking dude, do it. A... I've been wanting to uh, do something like that. You know, I want to, like, actually get out there and try and find some cool stuff eventually. You know, that would yeah. be cool. Like, we're, we're in the right place for Bigfoot. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. I mean, me and my wife already, like, we love camping and we go, we do like real camping, like digging a hole to poop kind of camping, like, you know, yeah. in the middle of nowhere kind of camping. That's like our, I mean, we have a six month old now. So, I mean, that might slow us down a little bit, but, you know, but that's the way, that's already what we like to do. So, I mean, I would love to yeah. go Bigfoot hunting, man. We should me do that. Too. Yeah. I, yeah. I have some <laughs> intel on some hot spots up here. Like, I've, Talked to a few people who've like given me some little uh, tips on where to go. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk Heck about yeah. it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> we'll for <play>. sure. <laughs> yeah. So while we're talking about Bigfoot, man, you, let's talk Bigfoot. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm a firm believer in Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, as are most people up here in the Pacific Northwest. But uh, so, yeah, here's something that I've been wanting to talk about. It's a, uh, it's kind of funny. It's a uh, people want are like, where's the proof of Bigfoot? Like, what? How can you believe in Bigfoot? Like, there's no evidence. And I am here to tell everyone there is like unequivocal evidence right now. There's genetic evidence, and mm. uh, it's kind of like the, you know, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Like no one wants to discuss this because it's too controversial. But uh, yeah, so it's funny. Like scientists think it's crazy. They don't want to touch it. Like they're afraid to get involved in this Bigfoot DNA issue. And then you go talk to actual like Bigfoot enthusiasts and they don't want to talk about it because so yeah, they, they think the author of the DNA study is a little like cuckoo because she also she also does some other work like involving giants and she says you know bigfoot is basically a hybrid between a human being and then some other unknown dna source and she says that sounds to me a lot like the description of the biblical nephilim or the giants you know who's this the lady human... i gotta talk to her this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, like I was talking to this Bigfoot guy and like I bring up the DNA thing. He's like, oh, no, she's crazy. Like she believes in the Nephilim. It's like, hold on a minute, man. You can't like, <laughs> you can't believe in Bigfoot and then say that giants aren't real. Like it doesn't work like that. Like Look, Bigfoot's real, but that bitch, things. she's nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, yeah. I will tell you guys, it's called the Sasquatch Genome Project, and you just 
Look that oh. up in Google. She has a How website. have I never heard of this before? All right. <laughs> this Dude, is so it's, cool. <laughs> it's insane. So, um, so it's this lady. Her name is Dr. Melba Ketchum. Excuse me. Dude, that's Ash's last uh, name from Pokemon. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So so she is a geneticist, and she actually owns a DNA testing lab. And, like, for a long time, her job is to, like, identify DNA of various sources. Like, you know, see who's in law enforcement, like, science, all this stuff. And so I think it was the TV show Destination Truth with Josh Gates, they get like this really interesting little Bigfoot hair out there and they send it to her lab and she does the analyzing of it. And she comes back on the show and like, she's astounded. She's like, this thing is an unknown species of hominid. Like it's part of it is human, but the other part we cannot sequence and identify. And, you know, she, She's a real scientist. This was before she knew anything about the Bigfoots. And so, yeah, I think that's what started her off on this journey to analyze DNA. So after that, she starts, you know, openly accept accepting samples of supposed Sasquatch DNA, usually like little pieces of hair or fur. And so eventually, like, She gets a lot of them over the years, and, you know, it's very hard work, very expensive to do this analysis, but she analyzes over a 100 different samples. And by the end of it, she says that she has genetically identified a Bigfoot. Like, it's the same DNA sequence or the same genome in all these different samples. And so what she does, she writes a scientific paper about her genetic study and she submits the paper to uh, a scientific journal to get it published called uh, I think it was one of the bigger ones called nature and so it goes out for peer review and apparently that's where the uh, controversy starts a lot of the peer reviewers like don't even don't even read it they don't take it seriously they're like this is stupid this is a joke Maybe a couple of them come back and actually the ones who actually do read it say, yeah, this is legit. Like, this is cool. But she has too much trouble. Like, none of the reviewers want to work with her about this. Like, it's the same situation. Like, none of these scientists out there want to stick out their necks and, like, stake their professional reputation on peer-reviewing a Sasquatch study. Like, that's too controversial. If they're wrong, so yeah, uh, that's fascinating. She so, she um, might have just she might have had more luck if she said like I don't know what this is. So, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually what happens. So then she sends out. She says, "Okay, I'm going to go with a different journal." So she finds another science journal, and she sends them the study apparently, but just blind study. Like they don't have any information about it. It's just a scientific study. And the people who get that one for peer review, they're like, like, oh my God, did you discover a new species? But their their job is basically to like go through the actual science and the scientific method and make sure she did everything correctly and all the results are correct. And so 
she that one goes out to about five different peer reviews and they all come back positive results they all say yeah this is real we all accept your findings like this passes our review and so uh the journal they're going to publish the article and uh it's a big big discovery it's a big article and then according to dr melba ketchum the day of publication the editor of the journal says we're not going to do it we're going to pull this this is like this is going to ruin our reputation this is going to ruin our magazine our journal like we don't want to be involved in this controversy so we're pulling the study we're pulling the article so it's around that time i think someone must have leaked the whole study like before it was published and it goes out there on the internet and this is where she kind of screwed it up after that she says she's very upset and she says i i don't accept this like i i need this to be published so she finds a private investor who actually ends up buying the journal and then she renames the journal and now she's the owner of it and she publishes her study and it's out there but the yeah so people after that was published it causes quite a bit of controversy but people's take on it it's like oh you you published your own study in your own magazine like how can we trust this like how can we do this even though it was all done before she bought the magazine but anyway that's kind of like the consensus out there it's like she also renames the magazine so People are like, I've never heard of this journal before. And how come you're the owner and you're publishing your own study? Like, we can't trust anything. And what ended up happening, the aftermath of it all is you can Google, like, her genome study. And there's a bunch of negative articles, like, in all the scientific blogs, like, live science and everything. Like, they all talk about, oh, this Sasquatch DNA study, like, went wrong it's all garbage science like they say she did not follow the scientific method properly but the thing about that is i will say that none of the articles or like detractors of her study none of these people are qualified to be saying that like they're they're just writers or they're just people who mm -hmm. maybe know about science but they're not specialized in genetic analysis they're not qualified to be saying this so uh yeah you bring this issue up to people in the bigfoot community and they'll link you those articles and be like oh look she she didn't follow the scientific method no actually she did and all the people who were qualified and peer-reviewed it all say that it was all real and correct so you know who uh truthers worth worst enemies are other truthers like yeah. <laughs> we're such a small fringe minority community it's like we gotta yeah. we gotta you know like and here's the thing even if she has a little bit of a crackpot you know what she's also a scientist i bet she's super smart and i bet there are some serious you know validity to a lot of the things she does and it's like so like we should be i don't know we tear each other down and it's such yeah. a bummer because it's like <laughs> So, that's yeah, so that's so interesting the aftermath was she kind of like went public with her study because it got leaked and she posted it on the website so you know it's all up there for everyone to look at but 
you know, you visit her website, the Sasquatch Genome Project, and you can actually go and read the whole study, the whole DNA sequence. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not smart enough to, like, understand any of it. So, like, so, I, I yeah. can't make sense of it, but I, I honestly do, I see no reason to doubt its authenticity. Or that's you know, super fascinating. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think that's so interesting. And uh, I mean, theoretically, man, I mean, we so they keep saying that we have no like physical evidence or we don't have any of this stuff of a Bigfoot, but like we had the old giant's bones. Mm-hmm. Do you think Bigfoot were those giant's bones? Like, were we finding Bigfoot like bones? Well, that would be fascinating because Bigfoot is supposed to be pretty big. Yeah, Dr. Melba Ketchum, her follow-up study was going to be on giants. And that's where you get, like, more controversy. She's oh, like, that's I'm where, take some that's of these where you hook me. Bones. That's I'm my favorite start, thing. Yeah, dude, she's like, I'm going to analyze them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out, are these things actually Bigfoots or are they a whole other species? What the hell are they? So uh, I think it was around then that her career kind of imploded because she got so much like dirt thrown at her, like so many other scientists talking bad about her. And basically that's the problem with her genome study is people saw what happened to her. They saw her career be destroyed and no other scientist wants to get involved with this. Like no one wants to touch it basically, or look about, look at it or say anything about it. You know, they don't want their lives ruined either, basically. So, I mean, I've probably told this on the show twice or something, but I'll give you my theory with Bigfoot. And I I, I don't know, it's as, it's as good a theory as that I've heard. Uh, it's something to this. Um, me and the wife, uh, we got married uh, a few years ago, and we did, like, camping slash backpacking-ish uh, from, like, the Oregon coast all the way to like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, this area, we went through Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and uh, somewhere, I think this was in the Grand Tetons. We took like a little river uh, cruise to this place called Elk Island. And as we're, as we're going out there, uh, one of the ladies that um, one of the ranger ladies is explaining to us, she's saying that every single one of the animals in the park is chipped. And she says that if you hit one of these animals with your vehicle, that's 10,000 bucks. She goes, if like a bear comes and tries to attack your tent and you shoot it, that's 10,000 bucks. If uh, if a fucking, uh, if a mountain lion's eating your wife and you shoot it, that's 10,000 bucks. Like there's, there's no, there's no fucking, like they don't care. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, well that's kind of fucked. But, so, I mean, theoretically, as I'm hearing this and at, like even maybe even a year later, as I'm like listening to like Bigfoot um, different stories, because I, I've heard yeah. these stories, too, where there's been like a hunter. He's sitting up in a tree. He sh- he like is waiting for deers and he sees like a Bigfoot and he's like, what the fuck is that thing? And he shoots it. And and then as he gets down off the tree, he like and like basically turns around and the thing's gone. Like, like there's no trace. And then he gets visited by these men in black. So 
so and they're like you didn't see shit <laughs> you know that sort of thing so i mean in my mind i was like what if like the reason why we never see any of these bigfoot carcasses you know because if they if they do if they're a physical thing and not a spiritual thing which is also equally possible to me um is what if every single one of these is chipped what if one of all these bigfoot they're tracked they're monitored and these men in black are just like they're like fbi uh like park ranger basically like there's a that i think that would be so cool if there's like a whole like like a piece of the government that's just their job is to is just to keep track of Bigfoot and just to monitor them. And I was like, that would be the funnest job in the world. I think it's, I think what you're saying is possible. Like I know for a fact that the FBI, it's crazy, like, but it's looked into Bigfoot <laughs> and the FBI, like there's a declassified document about it. But uh, yeah, that would explain a lot. Like I've heard like various, sources i think it was on the tv show expedition bigfoot they talked to some witnesses out there who are like ex-military and stuff and they say basically oh yeah the government knows about this the government knows about these creatures and they're part of like this vast cover-up to make sure no one discovers their existence so what you're saying like it does track like how would they actually accomplish that they would have to probably chip them or something well, and then the other thing that I thought was fascinating, too, is like, uh, because you're going to have to like, this is going to have to be a lifetime appointment. This is like the CIA kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, you never really yeah. get out of the CIA. I was thinking, like, how cool would this be? Is like, you know, those cute old couples, those old couples that run like the that run campgrounds and shit. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like sure. that's how they retire. Yeah. yeah, that's how they retire. Now you're watching this campground. But really, you have your monitor. You're like, we got to go. We, you know, if there's a big, you know, I, I think that'd be super cool, but it's even funner if they are interdimensional beings, because if they are interdimensional beings, then like, how cool would it be to be one of these men in black that are doing that? And you're like, uh, you're going in between dimensions too. This is like, uh, almost being like a time Lord, like kind of like a good TV show right there. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. It's like a cryptid kind of thing. And you're like trying to keep track of them and trying to keep these worlds apart. So you're trying to make sure that like this interdimensional Bigfoot doesn't like, uh, it would be kind of like men in black, you know, it would be exactly like men in black, like the, like the movie where like if, if any of those aliens go rogue, they have to go and make sure, and then they have to, you know, whitewash it, you know, and, yeah. Make sure people don't remember Bigfoot. That All would right. be really cool. That Dude, would be I, a fun I job. I like wonder, <laughs> like if if it's really true, the government knows about this and they're not telling us. Like why? Why wouldn't they just tell us? What is it about a Bigfoot that, like, they can't just let people know about it? Why? Why <sighs> does it have to be secret? You know, I got yeah. the image in my head of um, some cute elderly couple working as a camp host and just burying some campers who just know a little bit too much. <laughs> just like, yep, buried they another got one. eaten by bears. Yep, that's yep, right. That's a, that's a perfect place to get rid of a body. It's just you know. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's crazy. Yep, I, it makes you wonder. Like people disappear every day. Dude, especially in those national parks, right? People are going missing all the time. There's that... nas- That's what I'm saying. Do not go to a national park. It's very dangerous. <laughs> there really is. There's like, I, I don't remember how many thousands of people, but there's a Google of people that go missing every year in national right. parks. And maybe they got got by the, by the men in black. 
Yeah, the Bigfoot <laughs> men in black. Yeah. Or, or maybe Bigfoot's just a reincarnation of all of these dead campers. It could be. <laughs> That's fascinating. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it makes you wonder like, also about the whole paranormal Bigfoot idea because uh, that always gets like dropped on you like that. People say they're like, these interdimensional things and they have the ability mm-hmm. to like phase out of our reality. Yeah, uh, I definitely go down that route I know, a, a lot. I, I, I'm, it's like, I don't really know what to make of all that myself. And uh, here, here's my theory. Like, I don't know if you guys watch this new show out called Alaska Killer Bigfoot on Discovery Plus. But, uh, no. They basically are investigating these like very aggressive Bigfoot, and they bring in bring in some psychics because they want to like get a read on like what these things are, and they go down the whole like paranormal route, and the psychics basically end up saying that they're connecting with these elemental spirits of the land who are like very pissed off and just trying to protect the land itself. But then, like, they also say, like, oh, my God, like, there's a Bigfoot over there. Like, we see these big creatures, too. So it makes you wonder, like, is the Bigfoot itself, is he some kind of psychically connected creature? Like, we obviously know they're very intelligent, like, according to all, like, common common knowledge about them. They're very intelligent. Who's to say that they aren't also... A little bit psychic as well or maybe very psychic and they are you know protectors of the land essentially and they have this ability maybe not to cloak themselves but definitely to mess with people's heads like maybe they can make you think that they are disappearing or maybe you know they can put fear into you that's that's for sure like anyone who's had a close encounter with an angry sasquatch like they're terrified. It's not even because the Sasquatch is super aggressive or anything. The it's just when you are encountering one, like you're overcome by fear for some reason. Yeah, that's fascinating, I man. I, I mean, I just wonder. There's so many bizarre possibilities, man. Because I mean, I've even read things about like uh, uh, Feds working on things where, like, actual cloaking devices, where like it's totally possible to like cloak things. Yeah. And it, if everything's a frequency and just how everything, like how our eyes work, you can just take things just peripherally out of like, uh, like the visual range or something. I don't know that. I don't know. And so maybe, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. If the Bigfoots had those kind of abilities, they could just, they can let you see them if they want to be seen and, uh, you yeah, can walk I mean, right past them and not even know. Um, here's another possibility. So, um, it's been proven that, you know, scientists working for the government, they've created invisibility cloaking tech. Like they can yeah. do like a, I don't know, a piece of material that will reflect what's behind it and project it in front. So essentially like whatever is behind that material will be invisible. Dude, I've yeah. even seen those cheap, uh, you can like, there's YouTube tutorials on how to make one of those yourself. Wow, those are, really? yeah, those are pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty um, fascinating. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go oh, on. I was just gonna say, like, you could do it in like a half hour, and you could make one of these things, right. and it's not perfect. Like, yeah. if you know that there's somebody, like, you know what I mean. But like, 
if you're in the woods and you put one of those things on you, yeah, and, and people are just gonna walk right past you. Well, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Like in terms of Bigfoot not being seen or being blurry, it's like you know we all know they look blurry in like most of the pictures. So let's say like. We have obviously chameleons. Chameleons can change their color to like blend in with the background. Octopuses so too. Say, yeah. Just to say a mammal can't do that too. Like, why couldn't some kind of mammal evolve that into like their fur where it has some kind of color changing or shifting ability? Like, yeah, just go it, camo like, through natural yeah. evolution. It's like maybe that explains why they're always so hard to see or blurry or. How they like disappear? No, it's very that's awesome. super fascinating. That's super cool. I like that. <laughs> and but as you were saying it about it maybe being uh well as we're talking about things being interdimensional things, it, it's it's fascinating because you were talking to us a little bit earlier about like the Cheyenne was it the Cheyenne no the Cherokee that had these little uh that had these little what what were those those little people? It, it's just fascinating to me that all of these things somehow always connected like where you'll see like a lot of times yeah. where there's a bigfoot there's also like an alien thing there's also like like um there's yeah. this weird connection man and so i do find it interesting because well, i'm yeah, like that's that's another factor is like many of the native american tribes have stories of bigfoot and you know sasquatch is a native american word so it's in the legends uh, mythology and uh yeah, in in terms of the Cherokee tribe, they live out in the Appalachian Mountains. And they have one legend that I actually was like, this, this is weird. This is interesting. They have this thing called the Moon-Eyed People. And according to Cherokee mythology, they're these small, like very short beings that live mainly underground in caves and stuff. And they have these big, like, round eyes. Like, that's why they're called the moon-eyed people. And, yeah, they, they live underground, and they're rarely seen, but they do come up out of the caves. And uh, it kind of ties into uh, a lot of the sightings, like modern-day sightings in the uh, Appalachian Mountains and the Mammoth Cave system. People say they see short little strange creatures, like they call them goblins all the time. But... uh yeah, that's my theory. Like, it's it's probably connected in some way to these moon-eyed people stories. And the other crazy thing about the moon-eyed people is there's actually ruins. There's, like, these structures out there in the mountains that are supposedly built by the moon-eyed people. Like, they're definite ruins made out of stone and rock. You can look it up. It's very fascinating. And the Native Americans say, we did not build this. This was built by the like some other race of people it's very weird that's fascinating man i mean yeah, it, dude, if you listen hole. to native american lore there's so many fascinating things i mean they talk about things that could be considered aliens they talk definitely about bigfoot uh they talk uh about giants too for oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Especially the way they describe the giants as like these yeah, big they, red-haired giants that would eat people and do terrible things. We talked about the star people, you know. Yeah. Aliens, if you will. Yeah, it's all there. 
Yeah, it is all there. I do find all of that fascinating. And and then also, I mean, it was right around that time and, and before then, too. It's like as they're trying to cover up like things like maybe giants and different stuff, that's when they were taking all these Native American kids and they were taking them to these re-education camps and they were stealing their language and teaching yeah. them English and Christianity and all that oh, yeah. all that stuff is baloney. And, right. <laughs> you know, mythology. yeah, it's that's all real. bull crap. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, yeah. I want to uh, also, if if we have time, there is one other uh, dinosaur that we can get into if you guys want. Sure, man. Oh. All right. So, you know, I, I am very fascinated by the stories of dinosaurs and most of them are, most of them aren't like very much to go off of. Most of them are like, a couple people might have seen some weird thing out there, but there is one story, one other story that really captures my attention. And that's the one called the Mokele Mbembe. And it's supposed to live out in Africa, out in the Congo basin. And so the Congo basin itself is one of the thickest, densest, most unpopulated parts of all of Africa. It's like, it's very hard to get there just because the jungle itself is so inhospitable to people. And it's a giant area and uh, and outsiders have trouble due to some of the civil war conflicts over there, even to get there. And so explorers out there, like beginning like a hundred years ago, they started hearing the local tribes talk about these very large mysterious creatures and they kind of like describe them as the size of an elephant but it has a long neck and it lives like in the water and it's very hostile and aggressive and i guess eventually like one of these western explorers kind of was like this sounds a lot like one of our long-necked dinosaurs this sounds exactly like a long-necked dinosaur actually so uh, fast forward to like the 1970s or so, um, there's one very famous explorer, Dr. Roy McCall. He's written a bunch of books about the Mokele Mbembe. So what he started to do was uh, he started going around to all the native tribes, the native people in the area, and he started uh, asking them all about the Mokele Mbembe creature. And the thing you have to keep in mind is most of these tribes are like isolated. They they do not really have contact with each other. They're very small. They kind of, um, you know, they live out in the jungle and they, they don't have any kind of knowledge of Western science or society. So he goes and he's like showing them drawings of different animals. And he like shows them an elephant. And they're like, no, this is the elephant. And it's like, okay, here's a hippopotamus. No, this, we know about that one. Here's a rhinoceros, et cetera, et cetera. And so then he starts showing them a drawing of a long-necked sauropod dinosaur. And they're like, yes, Mokele Mbembe. Like, and he goes around to, I think it was like 30 different tribes. He does this kind of experiment. And all of them unanimously point to the dinosaur and you know, they're not, these tribes are not 
even aware of what a dinosaur is. Like they don't know that that's an animal that's not supposed to exist anymore. They're just, to them, it's just another animal that lives out in their natural environment. And uh, yeah, you can actually look up, this was done more recently. There's a TV show called Truth Hunter. It, it was on the Travel Channel. And the host of that show, he goes to some tribes and he shows them images of different creatures. And then he shows them the uh, long-necked dinosaur, and they point to that one. And what they all say about the, this animal is they say it lives in the rivers, and it's a very, very dangerous creature. They're all, like, pretty scared of it. And they say it's very highly aggressive, and it's highly territorial, and it will attack your boat. Like, let's say you're in a canoe, and one of these things is there. It will knock your canoe over and potentially kill you. Like, that's how dangerous they are. So, uh, yeah, they're terrified of it. And there's actually one instance, this one tribe, they actually say our warriors, like, <laughs> we went out and had a battle and we killed one. And after wow. that, we took it back to our tribal village or our camp. And we, uh, you know, in victory celebration, we cooked it and we ate it and uh what happened after that is every single person who ate the meat actually got sick or died so like a bunch of people died after that and never again but, uh yeah it is very interesting if you think about why would that be like a so if we're talking about this thing is potentially a living dinosaur. We know dinosaurs are reptiles. They're cold-blooded. What happens when you kill a reptile way out in the jungle, and it's giant, it's massive, and you have to transport it back to your tribe? What happens to the meat? Like, it's baking out there in the jungle. Is that going to spoil very fast? I don't know, but I think that might explain exactly... Why? Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, because I, I, you would assume that it would be something similar to like eating an alligator, you know, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it, maybe it's also something that it eats out there. You yeah, know, maybe it I, eats I like some poisonous plants. And yeah, that's fascinating. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a crazy story. And, you know, there's been uh, a lot of expeditions to try to find the, this thing. It's pretty well known. And uh yeah, there's one like particular lake that's a hot spot that there's been a bunch of sightings. They've actually found the footprints. It's pretty interesting. They've seen these giant footprints that are like, the impressions are like they're round and they have these big three toes. So it, it basically tracks, like if you look at the footprints of the, these dinosaurs from millions of years ago, it looks pretty much the same. And there's one kind of very unconvincing video, like uh, people from an airplane were flying over a lake and they saw something weird moving across the lake. So they're like, that's the Mokeli Mbembe. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not convinced by that. But I, I actually do think that that one has to be real because I just think it's impossible for so many different isolated tribes to all talk about this thing and all say it exists like that yeah and dude there's always 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 new discoveries we find new species all the time yeah. also so, you know, 
know what it, like if you don't know what something is and if you're not looking for something it's so hard to see especially in the jungle yeah like there's so yeah. many pe- people like, when they would talk about like when christopher columbus came over on the boats like no one knew what they were because they didn't have boats like that i don't know whether that's true that seems far-fetched to me the ocean's really easy to see stuff on but in yeah. a jungle when everything is so dense and everything is moving in a weird subtle way you're not yeah. seeing something. You're not pre. Can stay hidden out there for sure. Yeah. As much as I think I would like to go out there, I'm also like when I was out in uh, the Grand Tetons ish area, dude. There's there's these areas out there that are just full of biting flies. Yeah, bugs. And dude, I was so freaked out. I'm sitting there with like a stick and a, and like a spatula. And I'm just like trying to fight off these big giant horse flies that come and bite you. I can't yeah. imagine how terrible it is in the in that Congo jungle. Like I've never been to a, a real jungle. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> supposed to be brutal, absolutely brutal. But yeah, you're right about you know the fact that large creatures can exist in these jungles. Like on the TV show uh, Truth Hunter, where they go on an expedition, they set up all these trail cameras. Like they're out there for weeks. And apparently, like, on the, one of the last days, they capture, like, a giant herd of elephants. And they're like, we're out here looking for a dinosaur, and we've seen nothing this whole time. And there's, like, a hundred-plus elephants right here that we did not even see. We had no idea there were all these elephants here. So it's very easy for something, for any creature to remain uh, undiscovered out there, I think. Yeah, it's really weird. Um Another thing about the Congo Basin, like a whole basin area, it's kind of like the reverse of a big tabletop mountain. Like it's like a big crater, if you will. So the creatures that are living down in this crater, like it's an isolated area that might be like removed geologically from the rest of the continent. Like it's its own little world, if you will. So yeah, yeah that's another factor, I think, that you have to think about. To think these things are real yeah awesome man well dude that was super fascinating you have anything uh that you want to close out with do you want to tell us a little bit tell us one more time what's the name of your book where uh do you have a website tell people where they can find it all that fun stuff yeah sure uh so if you go on amazon you can type in the name of my book it's uh called the last dinosaur of the lost world and uh you'll see it pop up there my actual name is Ben Tahada Ingram, so you'll see my name as the author. And uh, yeah, you can go follow me on Instagram, Twitter. It's Anomaly Hunter X, and you know, go follow my profile, and you'll see my links in my profile. You can do it that way too. But yeah, that's all my information, and I I appreciate the chance to do this show and get the word out. So thank you guys again. Heck thank yeah, you. man. Heck yeah. So uh, stick around for a second. I'm going to hit the outro and we'll get out of here. And thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. Yeah. And-